Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Maybe we have a minute, two minutes, uh, do just some, some mindful movement just before Maybe we start. So we raise our left arm. When we raise our left arm, we feel the sensation in the rib cage. Feel the sensation in the rib cage, and then lean to the right. Left arm coming back, open the chest to the ceiling. Keep your neck free. The, the twist is coming from the chest and the belly button. Slowly coming back to your neutral, right arm up. Feel the sensation on the right rib cage, lean to the left, and then lean to the right. Arm back, open the chest, slowly coming back. Left arm up, coming to the right. Slowly coming back. Right arm up, coming to the left. Slowly back. And now synchronize with the breath. In breath, left arm up. Out breath, slowly coming back. In breath, right arm up. Out breath, slowly coming back. And continue on your own, synchronize with the breath. So when you raise your left arm up, notice the sensation in the ribcage. It comes, stay for a while, and it goes away. And then when it, you come back to a neutral, there's an empty gap, a formless silent gap in between. Notice the gap. In fact, if you can hold, hold the breath for just one or two seconds to rest in that gap and then come in here. So in breath, slowly coming back and then neutral, 1001, 1002, the gap, and then in breath, left up, and then out breath, slowly coming back. And then after the out breath, hold two seconds, 1001, 1002, in breath, out breath, in, so and now you don't have to hold but notice the gap maybe the natural gap is only a quarter of a second but notice it so you're more than your sensation you're more than the sensation of your ribcage if you notice the gap in between if you're more than your sensation then eventually with practice, you're more than your pain, you're more than your desire, you're more than your depression. And that's the key to freedom. But first, practice something simple, easy first, something that is more tangible, like the mindful movement. So everything it comes, is there for a while, and it passed away, just like the sensation of your ribcage. Slowly coming back to neutral. In breath, cow pose, so the chest is pointing towards the ceiling. The, the, chest, the <clears throat> chest is like a cow. Out breath, cat pose, round and circle like a cat. In cow, out cat. 
in, out. And now circular, it clockwise, in, cow, out, head. It's well doing, well doing a circle. Slowly coming back and switch side counterclockwise. Slowly coming back to neutral and now come back to the gap again. So the gap exists before the sensation, during and after the sensation. So the gap, so the sensation is in you instead of you're in the sensation. The sensation is a part, you're the whole. So with awareness, you realize that everything that's, that's arising is only a part of you. That's including your pain, your chronic pain, whether physically or mentally, or your depression or whatever that's arising. If it's in you, then you can deal with it. If you're in it, then it's much harder to deal. So the practice is how can you feel that everything's arising is in you. You're bigger than that. So twist to the right, right hand behind the buttocks, left hand to the right knee with a straight back twist. The center of twisting is from the belly button. Keep your neck free. Slowly coming back and switch side, left hand behind the buttocks. If you're on a chair, you can hold on to the chair. Right hand to the left knees or left thigh, back straight. Slowly coming back. So shoulders roll forward. Shoulders roll backward. And then head to the left, left hand holding on to the head, right arms to the right. Two opposing directions help you to stretch the right side of the neck. Slowly coming back and switch side. The head to the right and right and right arm to the left. Opposing directions. Slowly coming back, head down. Head to the right. Head behind. Head to the left. Slowly and gently rotate the head in a clockwise motion if that's okay with you. And then switch direction counterclockwise. Slowly coming back. And then the right elbow coming up, left hand guiding the right elbow back. And you can rest the left arm on top of the crown of the head. Then switch side, left elbow coming up, right hand holding on the left elbow, resting the right arm on the 
crown of the head. Slowly coming back and one more time, rolling shoulders forward. Rolling shoulders backwards. Now we can come back to the silence, the gap, the universal cosmic gap that we can touch it, we can feel it. And that is where our ultimate true self, our self-identity is this cosmic universal formless space. And let's come and rest in this space. We can start our sitting meditation. So notice the breath, in breath, there's a gap, and then out breath, it's not a gap. Feel into the sensation of the breath, so it's easier. Our body, it's easier to remember the body sensation. So feel the sensation of the breath around the nostril, above the upper lip, or chest or belly, anywhere that you can feel the breath on the in-breath and then on the out-breath. For example, I can feel the in-breath sensation in my left nostril. It's a little bit cool. And on the out-breath around the right nostril, it's a little bit warmer on the out-breath. But you make it up, make up your own. Most important is you can feel the breath and the sensation of the breath. And sensation will remind you. First, you remind it to remember, but later on with constant practice, it will remind you. And you can stay in the present moment. Initially, it's hard to recognize the gap, the 
of one quarter of a second gap in between. So we make it at two seconds. We manually make it so it's easier to see, to recognize it. So in breath, and then hold for two seconds, 1,001, 1,002. Out breath, hold for two seconds. 1,001, 1,002. Or you can do just hold for one second. It's fine. So continue on your own. Hold one second or two seconds in the gap between the breaths. So in the gap before the in-breath, the gap after the in, the gap before the out, the gap after the out. Hold for one or two seconds. So you, when you manually hold it for one or two seconds, it's easier to see that the breaths are in you. You're more than the breath. And then with, eventually once you have experienced that, you can drop the holding for one or two seconds and just recognize the natural gap, a quarter of a second in between. So the breaths are the object of awareness, which has a beginning and ending. And awareness itself is that which includes the breath, yet more than the breath. It includes the beginning and ending, and it's also including the gap before the beginning, the gap during, and the gap after the ending. So differentiate between the object of awareness, the breath, and the awareness itself the one who's watching the breath, which exists in the gaps.
So the breaths are like the clouds arising in your consciousness as a beginning and ending. Have the left boundary and the right boundary. And then there's a gap before the next cloud coming, which has the left and the right boundary. And then a gap before the next cloud coming. Initially, you only see the clouds and the gaps between the clouds. With practice, you recognize that the gaps merge together and become the sky of awareness in the background. So the clouds are in the foreground, the clouds of the breaths in the foreground, and the sky of awareness in the background. Rest in the sky of awareness. Embrace the clouds to realize the sky. And rest in this sky of awareness. Continue to feel the sensation of the breath. Feel free to make it up. You can make up like in breath, you feel the sensation in the left nostril. Out breath, you feel the sensation in the right nostril. Continue to feel that. Always feel free to make it up. The most important is you feel the sensation of the breath. If you think about the breath, you will forget. But if you can feel the sensation of the breath in the nostril, you won't forget. It will remind you. So if you synchronize your breath with the sensation 
you notice the sensation will have a beginning and ending, will have a boundary in the time dimension, beginning and ending, and in the space dimension, which is localized in a particular body part. For example, in-breath, the in-breath, I feel it localized, confined in the left nostril, and on the out-breath, I feel it localized, confined in the right nostril. By making it localized in a particular sensation, now you realize that the awareness is outside of that boundary. And once you realize that it's outside, that's the taste of freedom, because you're more than the breath. You're more than the sensation of the breath. So the in-breath is confined within the left nostril as a gap. And then the out-breath is confined within the right nostril. There's a gap. You can continue on. This is the practice in the yoga tradition called Kapali Bhati, where you close one nostril at a time to feel the sensation only at one nostril. And then feel the other sensation which also complement with the Vipassana tradition. So now when thoughts arise, synchronize the thoughts with your breath. So thought number one, you can synchronize, you can imagine that it's arising in the left nostril with the in-breath. Thought number two, arising in the right nostril with the out-breath. And you are outside the thoughts. You're watching the thoughts. So you have a choice. You can step in and become the thought, or you can step out and watch the thoughts because the, you're more than the nostril, the sensation of the nostril. You're more than the breath. 
So therefore, you're more than your thoughts. You're watching your thoughts. They're arising. make it easier to experience that you're more than your thoughts. The Upanishad has an use a metaphor. So you can use the left, the boundary of the left nostril as the stage. You know, in the theater, you have the stage, drama acting on stage and the audience who's outside the stage, who's outside the boundary of stage. So you can create a boundary of the stage in the left nostril. It's of the in-breath and the right nostril of the out-breath. So your breath are occurring in the stage of the nos nostril, the confinement of the boundary of the nostril. And the audience is that which is outside of that stage, outside of that boundary. So when your thoughts arise, just imagine that they are rising in the stage, on the stage, and you're the audience outside that stage. 
task has a beginning and ending, the audience or the exist before the opening of the stage, before the opening of the cur curtain, and after the curtain is closed. That's the time dimension. And the stage has a boundary. And the audience exists outside of the boundary of stage. That's in the space dimension. So you're free by if you can taste that you're more than the whatever drama on stage, both in the space and time dimension. So continue to feel the breath in your nostril and whatever thoughts, sensation, feeling, put them in there. They are that which has birth and death uh, within the confinement of the boundary, put them in the boundary of, of your nostril, of the breath. And the awareness is always outside. So there may be depression as one of the drama arising on stage. The audience knows that it's depressed, but the audience is more than that drama, it's more than the depression. If there's pain, chronic pain, as one of the drama arising on stage, the audience knows it, notice it, embrace it, get more than the drama, because the audience knows that he or she exists before the drama, during and after the drama ends, before the opening of the curtain, during and after the closing of the curtain. So the audience can be free in the midst of the pain of the drama. The audience can be free in the midst of the depression or whatever difficult emotion arising.
So the audience is their real awareness. It has two elements. Number one is has awareness. It has luminosity. It can shine light on the drama on stage, but it's more than the drama. Number two is more than the drama because it is a formless space outside the confined form of the the drama, which might be pain, depression, or whatever difficult emotion arises. Formlessness and space and luminosity. That's awareness. That's our true nature. That's in this true nature. In about a minute, we'll switch to our discussion period. But feel, feel free to remain the same uh, in this open spaciousness of the audience. The drama will change. Do your thoughts, sensation, feeling will change when you switch from sitting to discussion period. The audience remain the same, even though the drama may change. The whatever activities on stage may change or the sky of awareness remain the same even though the clouds of thoughts sensation feelings may change or the infinite container of awareness remain the same even though the contents which are thoughts feelings sensations may change just different ways of saying the same thing remain rested in these infinite containers of awareness and embrace whatever contents arising. Thank you very much for allowing me to share the practice with you. And thank you for those online Zoom. And uh, <clears throat> today I'm going to just discuss real quick about one of the questions before was how to deal with chronic pain in the body, the physical pain, 
And since body and mind are psychosomatic, it also deal with the psychological pain. Because when we react to the physical pain, it creates a psychological pain. And how to deal with it? Because every one of us will go into this phase, to the stage of youth, birth, youth, old age, and death. And we all have to go through that stage. And in the, why not learn, have a skill to learn to meet it and to be in harmony with it. Um, <clears throat> usually when we have pain, we, we believe that the only way to reduce, to de reduce suffering is to reduce pain because pain is synonymous with suffering, which is true. But is that the only way to reduce suffering? With meditation, we discover that there's another way that complement with that. So for example, I have a tablespoon of salt I put in a cup of water. The, and it makes the cup of water salty. So there are two ways that I can change it. I can reduce the salt, reduce the pain, or I can increase the size of the cup, put it in a 32 gallons of container, and it reduces the salt. So I increase the consciousness. The cup of water represents our consciousness, and the salt represents our pain. So we can... Uh, Reduce the salt by reducing the pain, going to the doctor, going take pain medication, and or we can reinterpret our pain by reducing it. But what if that's not enough? Or what if there's side effect on taking the medication and other stuff? So what is the other way is to increase our consciousness. And if the bigger our consciousness is, the Pain is still remain the same, but in proportion to our consciousness is smaller. And that's, our suffering is not just the pain, but in proportion to our consciousness. Maybe if I can show you. So suffering is proportional to the pain over consciousness. So the way you reduce suffering, the way to you reduce fraction is either reduce the numerator, which is the pain, or increase the denominator, which is the consciousness. So to reduce the pain, we already know through Western science and you can Google, Dr. Google and search and find out there's many, many ways. But in meditation, we do the alternative, which is increasing our consciousness. They both complement. It's not one is better than the other. They all complement each other. But when you try your best in terms of reducing the pain and you see you reach the end, the wall, the, the limitation, then try the other method, which is increasing your consciousness.
um, the advantage of reducing the pain is is immediate. You have immediate effect right away, and it's uh, easy to understand. But the disadvantage is that you put a condition on life. You said, "I'm happy if and only if the pain goes away, or reduced, or modified, or changed." So your happiness is conditioned on the future, on a con that you have to meet that particular condition. But sometime in life, you can't meet that condition, no matter how much you try. So the alternative is to increase our consciousness, which is within our control. And the bigger the consciousness, the smaller the suffering, even though the pain remains the same. The bigger the denominator, the smaller the fraction, even though the numerator stays the same. So how do we increase our consciousness? So consciousness is already there. Our awareness is already there. Awareness meaning something bigger than ourselves, something bigger than David. So the way to get to awareness to something bigger is just to embrace it with unconditional love. And know that the one who embraces it is before before uh, the object of embrace. So the pain is the part, the one who embraces the pain is the whole. The part cannot find the whole, but the whole can find the part. The part cannot understand the whole, but the whole can understand the part. So we, my thought, my mind cannot understand awareness, but awareness can understand the mind because awareness exists before the thought, during and after the thought. So the way to rest in this wholeness is to embrace the part and, ident and identify yourself with the one who embraced the part. So that's how you, you become the whole. You cannot understand awareness by using your thoughts, but the one that's watching your thought is awareness. So when you are painful, when you have chronic pain, you can't search for awareness, but you can embrace the pain and rest in the one who embraced the pain, which is the one who is more than the pain. Uh, this is one of the Buddha statues represent the awareness. The small Buddha is the object of awareness. The big Buddha is the awareness itself. So whenever you embrace something with unconditional love, you become something more than that object because the object has a beginning and ending. It can find within the boundary, but the one who embraces more than it. Or if I can use another example, just like we have many cells in, in our body. This, and many of the cells only live seven, for seven days, and then they die, and then they reproduce the different cells. The cells cannot understand the body, but the body can understand the cell, because the cell is a part, the body is the whole. The body already knows that 
before the sales exists and during those seven days and then the cell dies, the body knows it. The cell can can understand the body. The cell can only understand the body within that seven days period because that's how it, its lifespan is. But the body can understand the cell because the body already exists before the cell was born and during the seven days the cells exist and after the cells disappear. So the way to understand the cell is to be, embrace the cell to become the body. The cell is the part, the body is the whole. So we that's why we use awareness. We surrender to something bigger than ourselves. We can't conquer, the part can't conquer the whole. We can't conquer awareness like what we do in now the outer world, but we surrender to that which is bigger. And in that surrendering, we find freedom because we surrender to something infinite, like the space of the room here. And our difficult emotions are like the jafu, the jabutan, the chairs, the couch, are just like content. We surrender to just wholeness. And from this wholeness, even though the couch may have termite, it's still okay. Even though there's something wrong, but the space itself is okay. That couch is only 5% in relation to the space of the room. The space is 95%, the couch is 5%. So 5% is wrong, termite, but the 95% is okay. And from this okayness, the 95%, we, we can fix the couch, and even if we can't fix it, it's still okay. We're happy even in the midst of pain and in imperfection. And that's the advantage of opening the denominator, opening the consciousness. We're okay in the midst of imperfection. Whereas if we are not aware of that consciousness, of that awareness, we put a condition in life. I'm not okay until I fix that couch. And that is creating suffering because I put a condition on life and I'm trying to change life to make it fit with my condition. The practice is I'm surrendering my condition, my expectation to merge it with life. And that's the difference in the approach. And that's, and that's is how we open our consciousness is surrender to something bigger so that in the midst of something wrong, the contents may be wrong, but the infinite container is always okay. And that is our refuge. That is our essence, our true identity. So I shift my true identity from the couch, which may, be, from the, which may get eaten by termite, to that space of openness. And the way to get to that space is to embrace it. Who's the one who embraced the couch, the space? because the couch is confined within the boundary of uh, left and right. The space exists before the boundary, during and after the end. The couch exists within the boundary of time, begin, before and begin, be, beginning and ending. And the space exists before the beginning, during and after the ending. So the object of awareness always confined within the boundary and space. The awareness itself is always beyond that boundary. 
And so you embrace the boundary to find that which is beyond the boundary. And in that beyondness is your freedom. Thank you for allowing me to share. Now we'd like to open up to your practice. It can either be chronic pain in the body, in the mind, or anything, anything, anything is all good. How to deal with it. Remember, I'm here to learn too. Yes, uh, please. Did you raise your hand? I did, but I was not locating a mute button. So here I am. Can you yes. hear me? Yes, I can hear you. You know, I have a question in terms of um, consciousness and really what consciousness means. Mm -hmm. Because um, the best way that I can interpret it, which is probably not the way you mean it, is something like the big picture, life, um, everything. So I have a pain in my right leg. Well, life is messy. Life has a lot of things, but that's not the sum total. So to me, the best way that I can make sense of it, because I can hear the explanation, but it's got to resonate internally for me, really does come down to a way of perspective, and by that means seeing the bigger picture. Could you respond to that? Uh, yes. Um, <clears throat> when you see the big picture of pain, can you give me an example of a big picture, how you do it? Yeah, well, what I just said, I have numerous troubles. Sufferings. Yes. Here's a pain. Here's an annoyance. Here's whatever has happened. But yes. in the big scheme, it's pretty small. It's just a part of what it means to be alive. Okay. And if I can, if I can do that on an internal basis, it makes all the difference in the world. Okay. I got it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So may I go back to this one? Uh, <clears throat> so we reduce suffering through either reducing the numerator or increasing the consciousness. So when you uh, reinterpret it, you, you, uh, you, you put into a big picture, into a meaningful, meaningful pain, uh, meaningful picture, you said pain is only a part in everything else, there's more than pain. But that's your thought of pain. So you it's still my pain and it's still my interpretation. So you are reducing the numerator. So you're still reinterpreting uh, the pain, which is good, Which, but you still think, you still say that, is my pain and my thought and my understanding of pain. That's reducing the numerator. In increasing the consciousness, increasing the denominator, you no longer say it's my pain. So if it's no longer my pain, then you no longer have to redefine the pain. You just know that you are more than the pain. So you go beyond it's just the pain instead of my pain. 
So you are more than the pain. So you are more than your six senses. Whereas redefining the pain, you're still confined within your six senses. Awareness is you are more than your six senses. So in that more than, you cut off the energy supply to the pain. Remember the law of energy? Number one, energy, every phenomenon that arises require energy to sustain itself. Every phenomena. And we are the one who feed energy into it. And number two, that's the first law. Second law is <clears throat> energy flows wherever we place our self-identity as the first person, I mean mine, flows towards, uh, energy flows towards that, that phenomena. If we identify as I mean mine and flows away from the phenomena, if we see it as he, see it as a third person. So it flows towards the first person and flows away from the third person. So when we redefine the pain, when we put it into a new perspective, it's still my pain, it's still under the first person, and then we're trying to change the pain. So it's like you're driving the car, you still press the gas pedal and the brake at the same time. You press the brake because you redefine it, but you still unknowingly press the gas pedal because you still think that it's my pain, unknowingly. So the way is when you increase the consciousness, the denominator, you just release the gas pedal because you switch from my pain to the pain because I'm bigger than the pain. So you don't even need to press the gas pedal, the, the, the brake, you just release the gas pedal. But, and the way to release the gas pedal is no longer my pain, it's just the pain arising in me. So you get to find the boundary of the pain and step over uh, outside the boundary. So what you're saying is perfectly good, but it works, it can find, it, it works on the reducing the numerator. So I'm trying to show the second part, which is increasing the denominator. So both complement each other. I don't know if that helped. Thank you. Taste something that is beyond your understanding, your thoughts. Because you, you're trying to make everything fit into your logic. But that's reducing the numerator. The increasing the consciousness is beyond your logic. Because logic is the one that causes our suffering. Mm -hmm. it's, and as long as you're using logic to reduce our suffering, you're still in that circle. Because logic has a limitation. Logic said days is against night. Pain is against uh, um, joy. Whereas that which is beyond logic, except pain and, be, and that which is joy, except day and also except night. So logic and find within A versus B, me versus other. Whereas awareness is that which include me and other, include day and night, include hot and cold, yet more than the hot and cold. So yes, logic is good, 
but there's about there's a limitation to logic and when you recognize that limitation then you you want to go beyond that limitation when you recognize the limitation of reducing the numerator now you want to go beyond by increasing the denominator thank you <laughs> yes thank you for your talk i i find that uh when i meditate I have the ability to either zoom in or zoom out. I, I like that analogy. It's like when you're focused on worry and uh, depression or anxiety, it's like you zoom into those thoughts and it becomes a train of thought and your whole world is those thoughts that are in your head, that worry, that emotion. Uh, and those thoughts lead to more thoughts, which lead to more emotions and you know, you're just suffering. And then when you meditate, because you focus your mind on an object, whether it's your breath or a mantra or uh, you know, a koan, you calm your mind and focus your mind. And as a result of that calmness, or for example, if you're, if you're using uh, uh, choiceless awareness. So first I'm focused on my breath, then I hear a sound. I notice the sound. I feel a sensation in the body. You know, so my consciousness starts to become aware of more things, not just the pain, not just thought. Uh, so my consciousness expands, expands, expands because it's it's now uh, seeing objects come and go, and it's not holding on to any of these objects. So I think that the uh, letting go is very crucial to allowing your consciousness to expand. Um, so everything is impermanent. You know, it's just coming and going. Thoughts are coming and going. Feelings are coming and going. Perceptions, a pain, a sound. Uh, everything is just a part of your awareness. It's just an object to notice. And as a result of that, you're not zooming in to pain. You're not zooming into thoughts. And you have the experience of your consciousness being larger. Yes, yeah. beautiful. Thank you so much. And, and, and I, uh, I want to complement that with an, an example in meditation. You have thoughts, you put it in the train, you know the train coming in front of you that's zooming in and zooming out is if you're inside the train with the thoughts then that's zooming in or if you're at the train stop watching the train going by that's zooming out and uh if you zoom in then you become identified with the thoughts then the thought will dictate tell you what to do if you're inside the train if you're outside the train you're at the at the stop at the train stop watching the drama on the train in in the train and the train coming by then you you're zooming out you can observe the thoughts and not become confined within the thoughts that's zooming out and you and to practice that you need to practice and the the practice is continuously and you can synchronize it with a, a mantra 
for example, James, you talked, you asked about the mantra last time. Mm -hmm. So you can use in breath, drama in the train, out breath, I'm the watcher. So am I the drama in the pain? No, I'm the watcher outside the pain. I'm the one that resting in the bus stop. So if you keep repeating that over and over, then it be, become a, um, a, a habit so that when depression arises, oh, depression in breath is just inside the train, but I'm the one who's watching the depression, which is I'm in the train stop outside the train. And from the vantage point of the outside the pain, now I can have the wisdom to see the drama. And from that wisdom outside, now I can step in, I can zoom in like Anthony was saying, to work on the drama, to accept it or to uh, modify it or however I need to do, but from the wisdom of being outside. Whereas if I'm always stuck in the train, I don't have the wisdom of seeing. Just like, you know, when you have a problem, you don't have the wisdom of seeing, but if exactly the same problem were to occur to your friend, then you become an expert <laughs> advisor because you're outside the problem. You can see things much clearer. Yeah. Thank you. Anybody? I have been Anybody? working on mantras. So yes. May I be safe, may I be happy, may I be healthy, may I live in peace. Over and over and over and over. Beautiful. Over and over. Yeah. And yeah, I notice my mind, when my mind gets idle and I'm just spacing out, my mind starts doing it. May I be safe, and, I, and it's it's really nice. Uh, it was, it was on, like the first time my mind did that when it was idle, and I just noticing my mind just repeating the mantras automatically. It was like whoa. <laughs> so like, first you practice a mantra, "May I be safe," so you create an open space of safety in this room. But that's only first step, mm -hmm. because then you're still not meeting the difficult emotion that's arising. Mm -hmm. So first step is creating an open space of refuge in the room. The second step is meeting the difficult emotion, the depression, the uh, pain, everything. But as the content, as the Jafu, the Jabutan, as the content in the foreground while resting in the space of the room, may I be safe in the background. Yeah. So first, mm -hmm. what you're doing is, is good because it, it's very hard to go to the second step right away. So start with the first step, but eventually go to the second step, which is in-breath, the content, out-breath, the container. Mm -hmm. In-breath, con whatever thoughts arising, difficult emotion or whatever, out-breath, the one who embraced it. So for yeah, example, you Yeah, yeah, two different, yeah. Two, Size of the same point. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I'm just going by sharing Salzberg's book. Yes. Uh -huh. uh, there's different chapters, and then she talks about uh, meta, of course, and then she talks about compassion, which is what you were talking about uh, actually being willing to open to pain, like skillfully, without getting caught in their version. And there's certain meta phrases for that too. Um, uh, may I be free of my pain and sorrow. May I have peace. 
And I guess that one just lets me sort of have compassion for, well, I'm most intimately aware of my own suffering because it's my experience. But I have to start there. But then, like, maybe having the ability to open to other people's suffering. want to kind of relieve it. And uh, I realized if I'm suffering, I'll, like, probably make people, other people suffer, too. Because I'm feeling bad or I get in a bad mood. And then that comes out maybe around other people. And I'm actually causing suffering. And I guess the point of compassion is to sort of reduce it. So I feel like it's probably really compassionate to reduce my own suffering so it doesn't spill out onto others. So embrace that suffering. Uh by recognizing yourself as something bigger than that suffering, mm -hmm. because the one who embraces always more. Mm -hmm. And don't try to reduce it yet, just allow it the freedom to manifest itself, but you shift from the one who suffers to the one who embraces the suffering. Mm -hmm. The suffering is your inner child. You rest in the parental figure that embraced that inner child and give that inner child the freedom to express his suffering, but in a mm -hmm. vacuum, within the vacuum of loving embrace of the, the parental figure. Yeah, okay, so don't try to get rid of it, just embrace it, and then it's in the vacuum, so it's it's kind of, Sit. it's kind of contained. Yes. And it won't, won't like, cause trouble for yes. myself or other people. Because when you, you have a phenomenon that's arising in consciousness, mm -hmm. when you're trying to reduce it, you're trying to destroy, demolish that phenomena. But you're doing against the law of nature. Every phenomena, every energy, it changes form. But it cannot be created or destroyed. You're trying to create or destroy it, you're going to look against the law of nature. So the way to get, let the phenomena dissolve is just to cut off the energy supply. And the way you cut off the energy supply is you becoming something bigger by embracing the object. You become something bigger, and automatically that because you shift your self identity from apart from the content to the container, automatically the energy flow shift from the content to container as well. So you you're feeding into the parental figure. You no longer feed into the inner child. Mm -hmm. So don't try to stop. It's tantra. <laughs> Give yeah. it the freedom to express its tantrum, right. but just re shift yourself as you're no longer the child with the tantrum, but you're the father figure, you're the parental figure. Automatically, it cut off the energy supply to the tantrum. Don't try to change the tantrum because mm -hmm. you're right. going against the law of nature. Because right. so everything. The only, the only way you would try to change the tantrum is with your thoughts, right? Yes, and not and change your thought, not... become something bigger than your thought. Right. If you're, not, if you're not speeding energy with your thoughts, then you're actually just being good. Yes, yes, yes. Become something bigger. It, so, but you get to feel in your body, your tantrum, when you, when you don't like something, you have a tightness in the chest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Confined within the boundary, which is the boundary above the belly, to the right of the left armpit, the left of the right armpit below the uh, below the neck, confined within the boundary, but you're more than that boundary. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed if I release, if I like get the tightness in my chest, 
and if I'm not aware enough or whatever, it I definitely get more opinionated and more like grabbing on to my ideas about how things should be. Is it you discover the one who embraces it is outside that boundary? Beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> yes, please, Rick. Yeah, thanks for all the reminders, everybody. <clears throat> it's been an interesting week. I um, had my first run with migraines this week, and it's been a hell of a ride. Um, and um, not in pain right now for the first time in a while. Um, but um, I've been trying to work with these tools, and it's I'm in survival mode a lot of times right now. It's in here. <laughs> it's kind of hard to get away from, you mm -hmm. know. So hopefully this stuff will stick. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for sharing. Very humbling. <clears throat> Rick also guide uh, the Tai Chi Gong, Chi Gong, and is uh, one of the practice that I would recommend: Yoga, Chi Gong, Tai Chi where you can feel into your body sensation and to recognize that you're more than the sensation. That's easier. Once you get used to that, now you deal with difficult emotion, depression, which is hard. Because you, your emotion is intangible. You, it's hard to feel the boundary. Whereas movement of yoga is easier to feel the boundary. Once you taste the boundary, the movement of yoga, Tai Chi, Qigong, now it's easier to go to meet the depression, the trauma, or whatever's arising, because it's more intangible. But the technique is pretty much the same. This one is harder, one is easier. So is it better to practice the easy part first? I remind you. There was a hand out It's a little bit off topic. Yes. But, um, I feel like I'm a little bit of an expert on pain. Yes. Um, I have a brain condition. Um, it's multigenital neurology, and I had brain surgery that was a failure. Oh. So I'm living with pain every day for three years, and um, I just wanted to ask you about healing. You know, I mean, we talk about living with pain, mm -hmm. and I do, and sometimes my pain is huge, and all I can do is wait for it to pass, you know. Um, and I feel like I am a very, I'm a very joyful person. I haven't let my pain ruin my life. In fact, I feel like I'm, I am so much more sensitive to the people around me now. And grateful for my good times, you know. Um, but do you have any wisdom on healing my body? Because I feel like my whole life now is just avoiding pain, treating my such tender care to avoid pain. But I still have a lot of hope that I can heal my body. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry to hear about the pain. Yeah. But and when you're sharing, it helps every one of us. Mm -hmm. uh, we all have pains different way, but everyone yeah. has pain. But yours is bigger pain, and it 
you can deal with the bigger pain, people said, oh, maybe I can deal with the smaller pain mm -hmm. <laughs> if I can learn the same technique. Uh, so the healing is, uh, <clears throat> can you, when you feel the pain, where do you feel it? Oh, left, side. left side of your face. Can you feel the the sensation in the left side? Yes. When you said you feel, can you describe a little bit more? It's the trigeminal nerve, which comes down in three branches. Uh -huh. So my nose, uh -huh. my jaw. So can you find the boundary of the pain? Yes. Can you describe it? Um, so it's right here. It's spatial pain. To the left side? To the left side. Okay. So is that, so the rest of the body is not painful? while the intense pain is arising. other issues too. Yes, okay. Yeah. So let's assume, okay, and just they, assume. They keep off each other, Right. unfortunately. Let's assume your whole body. Um, no, no, I'm just, colitis. yes, but let's, let's work on this one first. Yeah. Let's okay. assume this left side of pain is 10% of your body. Okay. The rest of the body is 90%. So in the midst of the intense pain in the 10%, can you feel the non-painful part in the 90%? Can you? Yeah. Yes, okay. So usually our <clears throat> we only focus on the painful part. We don't focus on the rest of the body. So the practice in meditation is can you feel the whole body in the midst of the painful part? So we do body scan. So you feel sensation from feet to head, head to feet. This is in the MBSR tradition and also in the Vipassana tradition. So when you lie down before bed or when, wherever you have the free time, you feel sensation from feet to head, feet going up the ankle, the knee, the hips, the body, the belly, the whole body, and then down again. So it become a loop of body sensation, the whole body. So if you practice that all the time, then it become automatic. So when the pain arises, you realize that it's only 10% of my body. I can rest in this 90%. And from the vantage point of this 90%, now you can embrace and, uh, uh, and provide loving kindness to this 10%. So would that be like help heal? Like the yes, that's help heal. Give the loving kindness. Yes. And the one who look, who give the loving kindness is outside is the rest of the body. The because you right. You can't give loving kindness if you're in here, if you're stuck in here. You can only give loving kindness if you're out here. Because in here you're being controlled by your conditioning which that conditioning is i don't like unpleasant sensation i push away and i'm clinging towards the pleasant you're stuck in that conditioning if you're in here but if you have the rest of the body you're outside that conditioning and if you're outside you can step in and just like anthony was saying earlier zoom in now deal deal heal the pain from the vantage point of that which is beyond pain the pain is your child that cry out for help. If you become the child, then you can't help the child. 
But if you become the parents, then you can help the child. So practice body scanning, feet to head, head to feet. And okay, so the rest of your body is going to feel the earth migraine. I, I suffer migraines also. <laughs> your little toes are going to creep out and help your head. I'm sorry, your head's already. It's okay right now, but. <clears throat> Earlier in the week. Did you put some ice on your head? Yes. Yeah. Lots of ice. Nice. Yeah. Caffeine too. Yes. Caffeine helps. I like my diet coke. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> anybody on Zoom, please feel free to raise your hand if you have any question. Or anybody here. Those are all good questions. Thank you so much for bringing them. Sorry to hear about your pain and your pain. It's your participation that helps every one of us because this is the same technique to be free, but we just need different way to get there. And every time you bring in your experience, it's just different way to get there. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting, this whole zoom in, zoom out thing. Um, first, you're identifying with thoughts or sensation, uh, and that's 100% of your awareness. Then when you zoom out, you become the watcher of thoughts, feelings, and perceptions. And then when you zoom out even further, you realize that there's emptiness, or the sky, or before thinking mind, or um, that all of these things are coming and going you know, arising, a thought comes from nowhere, it exists for a moment, it disappears. A feeling comes from nowhere, it exists for a moment, it disappears. There's a sound, uh, there's a sensation. And when, when you're not identifying with I, then the sound of a car rolling down the street or a crow calling from a tree uh, becomes no different from a thought in your mind. It's just an object that arises, exists, and disappears. You lose the, the thought of, I hear, I think. Um, this is outside my mind. This is inside my mind. This is outside my body. This is inside my body. It Everything just becomes an object because your consciousness is, is not focused on uh, holding on to to whatever its experience is. Um, I think the Buddha said uh, the most important thing is to develop a mind which rests on nothing whatsoever. Uh, in the Diamond Sutra, it's important to allow your mind not to hold on to uh, objects. And I think the less you hold on to objects, the less you have an identification with the pain is my pain. Um, and the less you suffer. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, a good point in that it's actually a two-step approach when we deal with pain. The first step is freedom of the self. 
is my pain. I, I want to be free of my pain. So we take medication, we reinterpret the pain, we go to chiropractor, we go to massage therapist, acupuncturist. We change, reduce the pain, we make it free for ourselves because the pain is the one that is an obstacle to ourselves. That's the first step. The second step is freedom from the self because if you have chronic pain, now you identify with the pain and you uh, said, who am I without the pain? So sometimes you cling on to the pain, but if you keep meditating, you realize that you cling on to the, I'm a somebodyness because the pain justify my somebodyness. Um, if the pain is there, but it's just the pain, it's not my pain, then it's no longer the problem. But we add on to it. Is When the pain arises, we say it's my pain. And the reason why we say it's my pain, because we always use everything as an excuse to justify this somebodyness. Because we, at the subconscious level, we would rather be a somebody who's painful than a nobody who's not suffering. Somebody who's suffering than a nobody who's not suffering. Because we're so afraid of this nobodyness. So um, our true self is that nobodyness. <laughs> from the perspective of the form is nobodyness. But from the perspective of the whole is honest, everythingness. Just like in this room here, if I focus on the form and if you remove all the furnitures, then if I focus on the form and from the perspective, the form is so empty. The room is so empty. It's, it's so negative. But if I focus, if my perspective on the formless space, then oh, it's, it, when it's an empty room, you, I would say, it's everything here. It's honest because the space includes everything inside. It will include other furniture. So our true self-identity is the open space of the empty room. But if you, your perspective is on the form, you will say, this is nobodyness. And I'd rather become a somebody, I'd rather become a sofa with termite than a nobodyness and uh, then just uh, loss of furniture in the room. But if you rest, if your perspective of the formless space, then I'm everything. I'm included termite, furniture, uh, couch. I include a jafu, the jafutan, the chair, yet I'm more than all of those. So the second step is to see is our add-on to the pain that is actually causing the suffering. It's my pain instead of just the pain. And the way to, to do it is to see yourself as to see the way you add on how your mind works because the mind always use excuse to justify just somebodyness. The pain is my pain, so that it justifies me, I, me, mine. But that's deep. If you, that takes a lot of time to practice. Or you can use tradition, uh, traditional religion, 
because most of the traditional religion is you use the um, the divine as the one who carry the pain for you. And you feel free to choose the divine, whether it be Christ, Muhammad, Buddha, or whoever you choose, Mahavira, Abraham, whoever you choose, doesn't matter. But if you choose the divine who carry the pain for you, then it's no longer my pain because it's a divine pain. And then, whereas in Vipassana tradition, we don't use the divine, we just use, it's only the pain. There's just pain, but no one who owns the pain. But if that's hard for you, feel free to use the traditional religion. It's Christ who carried the pain for me. Then automatically, it's no longer my pain. It's no longer the first person. You cut off the energy supply. So the, the, the divine Christ is just an excuse for you to surrender the pain, to make it just the pain. Now it's the divine's pain, Christ's pain, not my pain. If you cut the mind, I mean mind, you cut off the energy supply. So that's the key, cut off the energy supply. And the way to do it is to surrender it. You can surrender it to existence, to the wholeness, or you surrender it to a divine figure and you feel free to choose a divine figure. And now it's only a third person is no longer the first person. No longer my pain is just the pain or it's Christ's pain, not my pain. And so traditional religion complement with our practice if it makes it easier for you. Yes, please. Do. I just remember um, I've heard you speak many times and the phrase you used before that has helped me a great deal is um, rather than saying uh, I am depressed is mm -hmm. that depression is arising in me. Yes. And that has just helped me a lot because it helps me again about it, like identifying with the depression and then being overwhelmed and just saying it's arising in me, but I'm bigger than it. It's just a part of it. It makes it uh, just less overwhelming, mm -hmm. you know, so that I, otherwise I start to suffer more by mm -hmm. identifying with it. And this is me and I'm a depressed person. And I, you know, rather than just saying, yeah, this is just part of me, but there's a lot more too. Yes. Uh, just the phrase stuck with me. Sometimes just the wording. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. That's beautiful. And then with practice, your body will feel it too. How does your body feel when you're more exactly. when you're more than the depression? Yeah. Your your body feels it because your body feels like the depression may be a throbbing in the belly, but I'm the whole body. Yeah. Yeah. Or sometimes depression may move to a tightness in the chest, but I'm still the whole body. So I can be free in the midst of depression instead of I can only be happy if I this depression goes away. Right. So the healing is not to going back to the question of the healing. The healing is not to get rid of the pain in order to be free, but the healing is to find freedom in the midst of the pain. Mm -hmm. The healing is find that which is beyond pain and rest in that. And from that be honest, you can fix, you can embrace the pain and whether the pain is fixed is complete or incomplete is still okay without any condition on I'm happy if and only if the pain is reduced or gone.
So that's why we increase our consciousness to find freedom in the midst of the contents. When the content go berserk, yeah, and they, they always go berserk. <laughs> we are not control. <laughs> and if you trying to stop it, don't go berserk. Then you're doing the uh, uh, you're going against the law of nature. Only the formless whole is always healed. Only the formless whole. The form parts always go be jerk. Please. Thank you very much. For all this <laughs> Thank you. Um, it's really conversation. Recently, um, looking at like pain, um, like pain loops. Yeah. Um, so uh, a muscle gets hurt, a part of the body gets hurt, and then the body has inflammatory process to like to keep us from using the pain to keep us from using it so we don't hurt too much. And then when that's done, like the pain goes away, you start moving normal. But then sometimes you get a pain loop where like those neurological sending brain signals that send pain, moving the muscle no longer can keep going. And that's one of the theories on the chronic pain that why we use. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about that like in my personal life and how uh, certain times like where certain both physical, mental, or life things that come up as a result of things that, like, in the moment where there was a lot of wisdom that needed to happen in order to protect me from something bad or whatever. It may be. Um, and then again, you see this like the physical world, physical body, and otherwise, because of, because that's the way that I practice being, and I've gotten I've gotten into like a pain loop around that. And so even though the thing that created the pain initially isn't there anymore. Like that pain is still there. Um, so still feeling the pain, still believing them. And um there's, you know, this conversation you got me thinking about things like the importance of uh, the benefit of stepping back from the pain loop. Um first actually acknowledging the wisdom in pain. Um and that another time like I'm judged, oh, this is so bad. This is big. Obviously, pain is not comfortable. But recognizing that the body initially stints the pain, stints that part of the body in order to protect it. And there's wisdom in that. Because to some degree, that doing that kept me safe. But then, like, if I don't allow myself to transition from that and stay stuck in that pain loop, then the lessons that would have been learned from that don't need to be learned. Like, it's stuck. Like, life gets stuck. The muscle gets stuck. Continuing on to that same thing, so stepping, so moving back to the longer inside of that, you resting into the yin energy of seeing being existing outside of that something bigger. Uh, I think that that's a, a way to to move through uh, this this pain. And then also, like, ask myself, what is that pain coming to teach me? Like in the moment when it's still contracting crazy, I can't ask myself that question. There's space from it first. When there is space, and like, asking, what does this come to teach? And I find once I when I get to that point with it, and I can learn something from it, then it's less about this is why it talks to what you just said. When I get to that point, when I can ask myself and really learn what it comes to teach, then less of my energy and focus is on eradicating the pain, and more lots of focuses on what comes from that. And then whether the pain stays or goes, there's healing in that process. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah. So quick summary is um, when we have pain, trauma, our body will, they are intelligent in the body. We're trying to 
find way to uh, deal with the pain. Uh, and that's part of our conditioning is to deal with the pain. So when the pain has been resolved, but the body said, but body still coming up with conditioning to fight off the pain, even though the pain is no longer there. And it's because of our self-identity. If you go down, the conditioning are only the branches, but the root is our somebodyness. Because we always ask, who am I without my pain? If we suffer pain, the branches, we get used so used to the branches of pain. And then even though the trauma has already been resolved, we still cling on to our conditioning of fighting off pain because that fighting off pain are the branches which, which supply energy to the roots, which is I'm somebody. Who am I without my pain? Mm -hmm. So uh, when you mentioned that, you help us to see that we, we can't just fight off the branches. We don't just deal with the branch. We have to go to the root. The root is uh, that somebodyness. And through our negativity bias, we cling on to the negativity in, uh, to reinforce just somebodyness instead of cling on to the positive. Just like Jane said, just change your perspective, cling on to the positive instead of cling on to the negative. Even though we have 5% negative and 95% positive, our negativity bias, we only cling on to the 5% and say, that's me. I'm somebody, and that somebody needs that five percent negativity, even though the ninety-five is uh, is there. So if we're going to rest in this somebodyness, change our perspective to rest in that ninety-five percent, like Jane was saying earlier. This change our the way we see things in life. I think it's our it's time. Uh, you want to say in admins or anything on Sue? No. no. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much for. Sharing, take care. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot, David. See you next time. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.